Good morning, good morning. Good to see you guys. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you look pretty nice today. And I'll let them know that's good because they can't sing, but at least they look nice. I'm glad you guys are here. We are continuing this series, God at Work. And the first week we talked through the purpose of our work. Last week we talked about the people at our work. Today we're going to talk about the passion at our work. How many of you guys know that God is interested in the work in your life? And he is because he's interested in every part of your life. There's no part of your life that he's not interested in you recognizing his hand in it, his blessing in it, his desire to bless it. Uh, He's interested in the work of our hands. And we've already discussed that the work isn't necessarily our job because we have people in different phases of life. Uh, We have some of us that were retired. How many of our folks in here retired? Come on, you're living the good life now. How many of y'all just just now recently empty nesters? Any empty nesters in the house? They're the happiest people in the whole building right now. Just loving it. Uh, But we also have stay-at-home parents. We have students. Whatever your work is, is whatever you are endeavoring at this point in this season of your life to accomplish. And God is interested in every phase. He's interested in the work of our hands. If you have your Bibles, Bible apps, however you want to read it, we'll have it on the screens as well. I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to be here and there throughout this passage, but it's all around the story of Daniel. Let me give you a little bit of context. The book of Daniel was written approximately 600 years before Christ showed up on the scene. Uh, This is at a point when the Babylonians invaded Israel and took a large majority of the Israelites into exile in Babylon. And Daniel was one of the young men, uh, most theologians believe he was around 14 or 15 years old when he was taken into exile. And he, with, along with a lot of other of the young men of Israel, were taken into specific programs by the Babylonians that were attempting to indoctrinate them into their culture, into their belief system. So Daniel went into a three-year training program, and he was with three other men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed, Richard, uh, and we'll just call him Richard, Richie, uh, Abednego, Abednego, uh, and the Babylonians were basically trying to brainwash them. They changed their wardrobe, their diet, their names. It was customary back then to change their name because changing the name would indicate new ownership. Their new names were basically a mockery of their original Jewish names. This is exactly what culture tries to do to us. What culture tries to do to us is try to rename us, try to redefine our identity. And this is what these guys were up against. So Daniel, that name means God is my judge. And basically I'm accountable to God and God alone. But his new name was Belteshazzar. Okay, so Bel... That was the beginning of it. Tajar meant to protect the king, okay? But Bel was one of the Babylonian pagan gods. So basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to steer completely away from who God was, what God had said about who Daniel was, and give him a completely new name that was a complete mockery of their belief system. As you can see, as you can probably begin to gather, Daniel, his work environment was not ideal. Uh, you, you could probably guess that his work environment was probably considerably more hostile 
than any of the work environments any of you are working in. But as you read about Daniel and how he responded in this, you can see that he still maintained clearly his identity in Christ, but also the spirit that God wanted him to work with regardless of the situation and circumstance and the environment that he was in. I think this is so important because, you know, we can, we can certainly have jobs that we just love and have the best bosses and all that, but at one point or another, if it hasn't happened yet, it will happen at some point that you're gonna be in a job, in a work situation that may not feel ideal, okay? Either because of the people that you work under are tyrants or the people you work with are jerks or the people you're doing work for are little crumb-snatching brats, okay? <laughs> can happen, can happen. But regardless, God still wants to work in you and through you regardless of what that situation might look like. In Daniel chapter six, verse one, it says this, it pleased Darius, that was the king of Persia at that time, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. And these were basically governors of the different provinces. Their, 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 their territory was immense at that point. To be throughout the whole kingdom. And over, over them, three high officials, okay, of whom Daniel was one. This is crazy, okay? This guy is in exile. He's not, even one, he's not even a Babylonian, but God is giving him favor, and we're gonna look at why. To whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent, everybody say excellent. An excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel's entrusted with this position of authority. And I love this. God can bless you even in a really dark environment if you're trusting him. It says that Daniel became distinguished because of an excellent spirit inside of him. Excellence can and will distinguish you and set you apart. How many of y'all believe that we serve a God that deserves our best? Well, I think we'd all agree with that, but I think sometimes we don't necessarily apply that idea in every area of our life. But in our work, we should give our best. Now, we can, we can understand that, but maybe sometimes we don't, we don't equivocate that to every area, maybe even our work, but I think we can all agree that we've noticed and identified areas of other people's work that wasn't excellent. I mean, we're very, it's, it's very easy for us to do that. Like you ever pulled into a gas station? You can pretty much look at the outside of a gas station and determine whether or not you should ever go near the bathroom in that place, <laughs> right? Or if you ever been on hold, for customer service, it just seems like a total oxymoron. Like you've been on hold for an hour waiting on customer service. Or if you've ever just been in a horrible restaurant or a horrible hotel, like you're just, all you can do is just sit there and pray to God that he protects you from every little creature that's trying to live. And you're just glad you don't, there, there's no black lights in there. So you're not made aware of just how bad it actually is. Okay, so all of us have been in those, but, but at the end of the day, the reason why those places are like that is because somebody didn't see the importance of an excellent spirit. 
They're not living that way. God wants us to live with an excellent spirit. I want to talk about a couple of things that excellence is not. First of all, it's not being privileged. Excellence is not being privileged. You don't have to grow up in the right family or a wealthy family. You don't have to have a certain personality. You don't have to know all the right people. Excellence is not having the best. It is doing the best with whatever you have. And when I think about this, I think about our old building. How many of y'all were around here when we are in our old building? Come on now. Look, these are real Christians around here. They hung around in spite of that place. Because here's the deal. If you don't, if you don't aware that our old building it's like when you go into any community and there's like the old abandoned grocery store, right? Okay, well, our building was a building behind that building. Like, we weren't even that building. We were the building literally behind that building. And we had like six designated parking spots. Like people were parking in people's yards and just anywhere and everywhere they could. And, and the wiring was bad in the building. The water was jacked up. The only place in the whole building you can find hot water was in the toilets. That didn't do us any good. And, and uh, <laughs> our heating didn't work. Our air didn't work. It was so hot in the summertime. We had to run sprinklers on the roof to try to cool it down. And I mean, it was just, but here's the thing. It was what God had given us. And so we just took what God gave us and we were the best steward of it that we could possibly be. It wasn't about having. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that one of the primary reasons why God has given this us, us this place is because we were good stewards of that building. Because we said it's not about what we have, it's about being as excellent as we can possibly be with whatever it is. It says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, just do it with all of your might. Whatever God has put in your hand, you may look and be like, oh, this is, but whatever it is, work with it with all of your might. Excellence is also not being perfect. It's not being perfect. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. How many of y'all can relate? You're a little bit of a perfectionist. This is the way that I would say this. I'm a perfectionist in the areas that pertain to my performance and the things that would reflect on me being successful. And the reason why I would frame it that way is because all of us probably have family members or even spouses say, they say they're a perfectionist, but I'll tell you right now, they still don't know how to get toothpaste out of the tube. They still don't know how to put the toilet paper right on the toilet paper dispenser. There's areas, there's a honeydew list somewhere in there that probably still hasn't been done. But a lot of us can relate to that, especially when it reflects on us and our ability to be successful. We can have a tendency to be perfectionists. At least I know that I am. But here's the thing. At some point, we have to know that excellence is not perfection. It is simply doing our best. And if you can't surrender to that, then you'll, you'll be legalistic and then you'll wind up being a jerk. And you'll wind up being some, somebody that nobody wants to be around. And, and so understanding that excellence is not perfection will also mean that you don't project that on other people. And that's important. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that's important. That's the way that you won't operate in a place where you're judgmental because you'll realize that it's only God's grace that allows you to do anything. And so you're not gonna be mean to people that aren't as a, much of a perfectionist as you are. Also, excellence is not being polished. 
another way to say this, it's not putting on false pretense. It's not some plastic persona. Like, hi, I'm excellent. So nice to meet you. And people can have a tendency to do that, especially around church, and it drives me crazy. Like, I hate when I ask people, hey, how you doing? Like, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored by the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord of the harvest. Glory to the precious Lamb of God. Like, if you always talk like that, you ain't gonna have no friends. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Look, I have to be aware that one of the things that help people connect to God more than anything is just being transparent and honest and real. You can imagine as a pastor, people have some pretty hard questions for me. And I could pretend like I've got everything together. My kids ask me hard questions, you know? And I have learned how to answer those hard questions. I simply answer them with, I don't know. I don't know. I'm willing to try to learn and find out, but I'm not gonna pretend to have something together when I don't. I wanna give you three ways that being excellent in our work, I think if you can apply these things, it'll put more passion back in your work, it'll motivate you to have vision. You could even get promoted. It could give us a lot more purpose. First of all, have an excellence in your heart. Have excellence in your heart. I think whatever you put your hand to, you have to have your heart in it. As this passage talks about, it's like excellence is a spirit. It's a seed that has to be deposited, but I, I think that this is something that you have to ask for, that you have to cultivate. But I think if you have a clear understanding of what God has given you, then it will help you cultivate an excellent spirit inside of you. Because God gave us his best. Because he gave us Jesus and Jesus is his best. And when you have a personal understanding of that, when you have a personal revelation of that, our response to God is that we give him our best. It's him that we're giving our best to. See, there's so much freedom in that because if you have to think about, oh, I'm giving my best to some big corporation or I'm giving my best to some job I don't like, some boss I don't like, some, some coworker I don't like, some buddy I'm working for, some, some customer I don't like, if you live in that place, well, you'll probably never truly give your best. But if you do it because you understand what God has given you and you just with all of your heart want to give your best back to him, that changes everything. And it changes your perspective. It's excellence in your heart. How do we give our best? Well, think about all the areas of your life and let's just, let's just take a mental checklist of our hearts. Do we give our best at our work? One of the most important things, do we give our best with our family or do they get leftovers? Some of us, we don't have a problem giving the best at our work, but we, by the time we get done giving the best at our work because it isn't a spirit of excellence, it's driven by other motivations because we get done with that, then we get with our families and they're getting scraps. What about church? Do we give our best? What, what do you, and you're like, what do you mean? Like I try to look nice and I, 
it's been a long time since I've been drunk in church, and I, I try to make sure the last time I took a hit on a joint was at least 12 hours before, so I'm not feeling the effects of that anymore. And we're thankful for all those things. Not judging any of that. But do you worship with your best? Do you give with your best? Do you give of your time, talents, and treasure from a place of excellence, the best that you have? How about relationships, your friendships? Are you dependable? People depend on you. Trustworthy. Compassionate. How about with your health? Do you give your best? with your health? Do you see your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit? And so you're, you, this is not about being ripped. This is not about having huge muscles. This is not about being super skinny. It's about health. It's about the wholeness of who God created you to be to be the best vessel of excellence for him. Colossians 3.23 says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that your master you are serving is Jesus, it's Christ in all these different areas, I think that maybe some of you, the reason why you may continue to struggle in your health is because maybe your motive is more about people than you just being the best you that you can be for God. Maybe it's that external motivation of social media and Instagram and all those things that maybe to this point has driven your desire for health rather than, no, I just wanna live the full life that God has for me and be able to accomplish everything that he's called me to do and be. And maybe that applies in every area. I think about Chick-fil-A when it comes to excellence. Come on, we got to talk about some Jesus chicken up in the house. You can't talk about excellence and not talk about this. Okay, but besides the fact that they're closed on Sunday, which you may love or hate. Sometimes I hate them more for that than I love them for it. But I love them more than, typically than I hate them for it because they're honoring God. But what do we love about Chick-fil-A? Besides the fact that they have amazing waffle fries and there's a tote. 12 count nugs package, you can get in there with some Chick-fil-A sauce, come on now. That's some good stuff. You got the lemonade, come on. Arnold Palmer from Chick-fil-A, they don't get much better than that. But more than all of that, it's the way they treat you. I mean, cause they're gonna do all that and it's gonna be their pleasure <laughs> to do it for you, right? How many of y'all ever been at a drive-thru at another fast food restaurant? And maybe you even yelled this at the top of your lung like a proclamation, like a prophetic word. If only you could be more like Chick-fil-A. Because <laughs> here's, here's the deal. At the end of the day, they may try. They may even try with their food. Nice try, Popeyes. But at the end of the day, that sandwich may be a little bit better, but it don't touch being served with pleasure. <laughs> because there's an excellent spirit 
heard a great story about the CEO of Chick-fil-A and how they were on the road and they were traveling. They got into this little town and there was only one restaurant, one fast food, and they're in a little bit of a hurry, but they went inside and this was not a Chick-fil-A. They went inside and he went into the bathroom and he was in there with one of the other guys and they were getting ready to leave and, and the CEO stayed in the bathroom and he was wiping down counters in this other restaurant chain. And the other guy's like, what are you doing? Like, you want this place to go down, right? Like, this is your competition. He's like, I believe in leaving every place better than I found it. So a spirit of excellence, it's not just about how it benefits you. It's always about how it reflects your heavenly father. One of our core values as a church is we believe that excellence honors God and inspires people. So we think about this in everything that we do. Look, at the end of the day, we, the church, the body of Christ, has the most important message on the planet. No matter what else you're hearing, is the most important thing. We have the most important message on the planet because our message is the only one that influences eternity. But the, but the problem is, if we don't have a spirit of excellence, we will seriously damage our effectiveness in communicating that message that is so important. Because if we don't have a spirit of excellence, it will cause distractions. People will use it as permission not to hear. They'll use it as justification. That's the reason why I don't go to church. Because I don't, they don't treat people right. They're not thinking about my everyday life. They don't understand what my kids need. All they really want is my money. They're weird. They may have a point there. I mean, we, we got weird people in this church. We just don't let them greet, okay? We got them in other places. A couple exceptions, but we're still working on them. We, got, they, we, we love them. But the bigger thing is people are hypocritical. Look, none of those things are an excellent spirit. So in our Sunday services, from the parking lot to their chair, we're thinking about how can we be more excellent with the people. But I'm also making sure that things are clean, the trash is picked up. Chairs are straight. There's a team of people that come in here. Look at your seatbacks right now. And every one of those seatbacks, it's, it's, it's important. We understand that, that, that there's connect cards. There's information about our church and there's ties in the offerings envelope and there's a pin right there in the middle, straight up and down. Because we don't want anything to become a distraction from people's ability to connect with the kingdom of God and who they are in him. The way we do everything, but not just inside, not just with our environments and our sound and our lighting and all those things, but also what we give outside of our church, with outreach, life groups, even social media. We're not just putting stuff out there that looks halfway done. All those things represent God. Have excellence in our habits. Excellence in our habits. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. Remember, they all wanted him to fail. They all hated him in regards to the kingdom, that they could not, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Basically, they went and stalked his Facebook and Twitter feeds. 
Like they're trying to find dirt on this dude. Here's the, here's the, the point. The point is this. At one point or another, excellence has to go from your heart to your habits. Has to go from there. Because a lot of times we say, well, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. When young couples go to get married, how many of y'all know that the bride is completely, completely consumed with the details of the wedding day, right? I mean, she is gonna, she's gonna have a list. She's gonna be very cognizant of every single detail. She is gonna show up on time. It may be the only time in her life that she ever shows up, but she's gonna show up on time that day. And she's gonna make sure that her hair and her makeup and everything is perfect. She's certainly not gonna roll down that aisle wearing her baggy sweatpants and her favorite sweater from some team building exercise she did in high school and said, well, he knows my heart. (laughs) Yes, he knows your heart but it has to go from your heart to your habits. People don't watch your heart. They look like they have just such a nice heart. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's the worst job I've ever seen mowing a yard, but I can just tell they just are real nice people. No, they're watching the habits. What picture of Jesus do you portray? through your habits. Some great habits of excellence. Always give more than what is expected. Always give more than what is expected. Under promise and over deliver. You can write these down. They're probably not in your notes. These are extra. They're free. I'm not charging for these today. Always find a solution. There's nothing worse than people that love pointing out problems without pointing out solutions. And I believe that a spirit of excellence means that you'll find a solution. And I know that most of us, we actually have the ability to find solutions to problems. And I could prove it. I could prove it if I said, hey, okay, what if I gave you a million dollars to find a solution to this problem? I guarantee you're going to find a solution to that problem. So you have the ability. It's just your motive. Always learn from others. Always learn from others. Always asking, how can we improve? What can we work on? What worked? What didn't work? Ask questions to people. Even if you feel like you already know the answers, always be willing to learn. And don't just ask the people that you know will give you the answers you want to hear. Ask people that you know will typically be critical of whatever you do. Always pray about your work. Always be on time. Which typically means be there a little early. Always be diligent. Text, call, email people back. Finish things that you start. A lot of times we may start something because of a feeling, but diligence is measured when we desire it to be done. Always be prepared. Be prepared. How many of y'all expect typically on a Sunday that when you show up, I'm going to have something to teach to you? How many of y'all... Oh, only four or five of you expect that. <laughs> this is going to be great, <laughs> man. I'm going to have so much more time off each week. No. 
look, if every Sunday you showed up in here and I was just like, I'm just going to let the Holy Ghost do whatever he wants to do today. I don't know. I might just do an interpretive dance for you and then call it a Sunday. <laughs> some of y'all are like, yeah, I want to see some of that. I would violate my contract if I did that before. You had to, you had to buy tickets to that kind of show. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, <laughs> I study myself to death. I put 25 hours at least in every week getting my sermon ready. I study myself to death and then I pray myself back to life. But I want to be prepared because God does not bless laziness. And you can say, well, I'm just letting the Holy Spirit lead. No, you plow the field. You plant the seed and it's work. And then you wait for him to water it that's the only thing that you can't do. But you got to do the rest of the work. Always be honest. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Number three, have excellence in our hands. Excellence in our hands. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So God gave Daniel a skill, the ability to interpret dreams. God gives us all skills. But how are we stewarding the skills that God has given us? Daniel 1.20 says, And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king required of them, acquired of him, he found them ten times better than the magicians and the enchanters that were in his kingdom. So Daniel was a rookie dream interpreter, but he still had a skill level that was like a veteran. He was 10 times better than anyone else around him. Do you ever look at people that are making a lot of money and think, I'm so much smarter than them. I deserve to do better financially than them. Or maybe you've said, oh, I would just do a lot better at being wealthy. Oh, man, I would save more. I would give more. God, do something about this. What God is asking you is, what have I put in your hand already? Right now, what have I given you? You need to focus on being faithful with that and stop worrying about what everyone else is doing or not doing with their skill. Be faithful with it. I'm so amazed also at sometimes at the people that are just scared of being great. In other words, they don't want God to use what he's given them. So they settle because they're afraid. God wants you to be great at what you do, whatever that is as long as he gets the glory. Whatever your career is, whatever your job is, God can make it better. And he can make you better at it than anyone else. When we're committed to giving our best, I promise you, you'll gain influence. People will be drawn to that. God will give you more influence. This is actually the message of the parable of the talents, if you remember the story. 
This master went away and he was giving specific, there were talents. This is amount of money, but it's, it's, it, that was actually what the money was called, talents, but it also speaking to talents, actual skills. And God was giving these three people and based on their faithfulness, God would reward them. But there was this, the one of them that God gave him very, very little. And so he was afraid that if he went and used it, he could lose it. And then he was afraid that God would be mad at him. So he hid it and didn't do anything. Some of you have been living like that around the things of God for a long time. And your desire and willingness to lead, your desire to serve, even your desire to give. And I just want to encourage you, if you will be faithful with whatever, even if you feel like it's not much, if you'll be faithful with that, man, God will bless it. He'll multiply it. And it'll be fun for you. You'll enjoy life a whole lot more. Matthew 25, 29 says this, for whoever will be given more, for whoever has been given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. This is talking about being faithful with whatever God's given you. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. Like we represent Jesus. We're liaisons between God and the people around us. So when we don't have excellence, when we have do a poor job or have a sloppy mindset, we're representing him. God wants us to represent him well. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I just wanna pray over you. I wanna pray over you. God, I pray for a spirit of excellence in every single one of us. No matter what we do, no matter what season of life we're in, I pray that we would work unto you, God. That we would submit to our employers, our bosses. That we would be promoted because of our work. That we would pray and seek you about our work, whatever we're endeavoring to do. They would get creative ideas about our work, about business, about the way that we run our business. I pray that all of us would operate in our giftings. That we would do the little things like they're big things because they represent you and your kingdom. And I pray that you would put that spirit inside of every single one of us. I just wanna talk for a second to some of you that you don't have a relationship at all with the Lord. You're away from God right now. And uh, it's hard for you to have any kind of hope. You can't even bridge the gap of a lot of what I'm talking about right now because, because you have yet to understand what God gave for you. 
you have yet to completely accept and understand the sacrifice that God made. He gave his best. He gave his son for you. If you're here today and you just know and you sense in your heart, you, you have no peace. You, you, you don't have hope. You certainly don't have any confidence about where you would spend eternity. And I believe that God wants you to walk out of this place with hope, with that peace, with that joy. It only comes through knowing who you are in Christ and accepting the gift of salvation that is through Jesus. He paid the price for you. He gave his best for you. And if you're here today and you're ready to accept that gift, you're ready to accept who you are as his son or daughter, to draw near to God. The truth is he's always been here. He's always loved you. He's always accepted you. He's just been waiting on you to recognize who he is. If you're here today, I'm gonna to pray. If you wanna be included in this prayer because you know that you're ready, you're away from God and you need him. There's no one looking around and I'm not gonna embarrass anybody, but if you wanna be included in this prayer, can you put your hand up right now? As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Anyone in this room, I'm away from him. Got it, thanks bro. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I need a relationship with God. I'm just willing to confess that between you, God, and my pastor. Anyone else? Father God, I thank you so much for those, those couple of hands. And the truth is, if, if they were the only two people that ever made this decision, you would have done it just for them. That's how much you love them. I pray, Father, that they would find their identity firmly and completely in who they are in you. If you raise your hand, then let's just, let's just talk to them and say, God, I surrender my life to you. I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. And I know that I can't keep living the way I've been living for myself or for the world. I, I wanna live for your purpose, for your plan. So I surrender to you, be my Lord. I stop, I, I turn away, I repent from the way I've been living. Lead me and guide me in your way, your plan and purpose. I thank you for that. I surrender my life to you. Father God, I thank you for that amazing, dedication, that commitment. And I pray that you would help us as a church come alongside of them to support them, encourage them, and help them become fully devoted followers of you. God, I thank you that every area of our life, including our work, can be a living sacrifice for you. Our hearts, our desire is that not just in our thinking, not just in our hearts, but in our habits, the faithfulness of the skills that you've given us, that all glory would be brought to you because it's only through that that we get to live the life that Jesus came to give us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for those couple of folks that made a decision. He's worthy, amen.